Hello, and welcome to the Charmed Life Podcast. This podcast is about magic, mysticism, metaphysics, and the unconditional love of the universe. I am your host. My name is Trisha Carr. I'm a spiritual teacher, empathic channel, medium, animal telepath, and also for this episode, it's uh, probably good to mention that I'm a hypnotherapist. I'm also an ordained metaphysical minister. The reason for that is because we are going to be talking about some really cool um, information that has to do with looking at our our whole lives, you know, where we would actually want to dig deep into some of the soul history that we have. We're going to be talking about soul contracts. We're going to be talking about that before life blueprint. And we're going to talk about how one life feeds into another, but particularly the art form of recognizing and honoring or updating soul contracts. Now, I really want to emphasize that this is truly like an art form because that's how we can be the most open to the karma, the learning. And karma, by the way, is a good thing. Karma is the opportunity to learn and then thereby contribute to the universe with that learning. Before we get too much further into it, I want to let you know that there are two companion videos that you might be interested in, companion to this episode of the Charmed Life podcast. Uh, one is uh, past. One is on past life vows, how to review, resolve, or update them. And the other one is past life oaths and covenants, how to review, resolve, and or, or update them. This is all about you know the fact that we could be unconsciously holding an, a vow, an oath, or a legal covenant from a past life in a way that could be holding us back. So I kind of wove all of these together. Check them out. The link is in the description or just go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Trisha Carr, and you'll be able to uh, find them there in the in the fold. And also, you know, I would love it if you, I'm on Instagram, so I'd love it if you follow me there. I'm always posting different exciting spiritual content. And if you are a regular listener, then I just want to share with you that I'm doing unique content on all of these outlets because I just wanted to be able to serve you in, you know, the most prolific way as I could. So we're going to keep doing that. I'm also going to be having folks on that I'm interviewing again or having conversations with. It's going to be so much fun. Okay, so this content that is coming up now about soul contracts, I'm going to be resourcing an excerpt exclusive content from a workshop I did in my Mystic Arts Academy. So it's uh, the whole class was just amazing. And if you want to find a couple of other ways to, you know, supplement, supplemental materials, there is a link for you to download a PDF that went with this particular episode. So you just are going to look in the description when you can, if you're driving, be careful, you know, <laughs> but you can go and you can download the, the slides. It's a PDF of the slides with the information. And so, you know, that can reinforce the understanding. In addition to that, the meditative journey that I produced to go with this, you can, there's a download link where you can actually, I think it's like four bucks. It's really inexpensive for to be able to purchase and have for, to do anytime you like, it's uh, my my journey called Soul Contract Review Trance Meditation. It'll help you to look at those soul contracts. And you could also, I think, use it to prime yourself to review vows, oaths, and covenants, which I talk about in the video. All right, guys. Well, 
I hope you enjoy this. I had the best time connecting with the Mystic Arts Academy folks on it. So I will see you on the other side. Welcome, everyone, to the Soul Contract Workshop here in the Mystic Arts Academy. We are going to go really deep into this material, and we're going to get some nice construct around it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's really the most important thing is for us to approach this with peace and with joy. That's a big lesson. When we're approaching these topics that could for some of us seem heavy because we're looking at things like human relationships and these these big, profound relationships, these these ones that hold a lot of heft for us, but what we need to, and, and then our identity within them and what that means for us. But what is key to this is to realize that it is an art form and that it is something that is done from the perspective of source energy, from the perspective of your partnership with God. And God sees everything as valuable. God sees everything as just an opportunity for more creation, more creativity. And that's what's really important for us. Having said that, I'm specifically going to say we really can't review soul contracts or look at these these values of a, an incarnation journey if we're in this blame, shame, or victimhood. Now, it's okay. Those are human experiences. But just know that it isn't the perspective that helps us to gain the understanding from soul contracts and these divine decrees, which I'll ex I will explain in a moment, the divine lessons. When we can connect with peace and or joy or just that neutrality, that's when we're able to really gain and glean the information that is beneficial to the whole being when we're looking at soul contracts. Soul contracts, the art of reviewing and mastering your divine decrees. So let's talk about what soul contracts are. Soul contracts, these are agreements that are made pre-birth between two or more parties, parties being souls. Now, this can, we're going to kind of probably focus just for the sake of learning on humans, uh, the human relationships, that might be what you have in your mind. But yes, we have soul contracts with animals. We have it with also parts of nature and any any kind of collection or identity of energy. We have contracts with it. And as we're going to understand that really the most important contract, really fundamentally what we have is a contract with ourself. Well, let's move on. Each party agrees to provide a catalyst to one another in alignment with the mutual pursuit of the individual's divine lessons. And I have in their parentheses decrees. So that's what any relationship, any significant relationship is providing catalyst. It's providing some place to help us to um, depart from where we already are. A catalyst is something that moves. It's something that disrupts even. If we just had a relationship, if we have a relationship and everything was just uh, so vanilla and so in alignment, then there wouldn't be very much happening. And so that's what soul contracts are about. And that doesn't mean that it's all negative. It can be positive as well. And it is the catalyst is to help one another to pursue 
their own divine lessons. So I'm going to give you catalyst for you to pursue your divine lesson and you will give me catalyst to, to pursue mine. They may be complementary. They could be they could be opposites. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you can imagine what it feels like to be a teenager. We all remember and maybe some of us have had teenagers. It feels like your parents are working against you. But in fact, the parents are providing catalyst for the teenager to grow into adulthood. So let's keep moving. Next, we have they are significant and emotionally stimulating relationships. That's how you can understand or recognize that they're uh, that that is a particular soul contract. Now, you can have some that are short, short-lived. Uh, they can also, they, I mean, honestly, there's a perspective where you could just say anyone that you come into contact with at all, there was a soul contract. And maybe it was a temporal one or it was a possible one. But the ones we're kind of focusing on, the ones that really give us profound lessons, um, contained in that relationship. That's what we're going to kind of pay attention to in order to understand the concept of soul contracts. Because if we if we think about, you know, the barista at Starbucks and the person who works in, you know, the building that I work in, but at a different company. So we pass each other in the elevator and we exchange a few pleasantries. So those, for example, those two people that are more passerbys, acquaintances that we see fairly regularly, they're kind of maybe all a part of one contract that you have set up, which is to be nice to people or to be comfortable with people. You see what I mean? But the individuals, they're just like players in it. So maybe those aren't as significant in helping us to understand soul contracts for, for today, at least. Soul contracts are composed of pursuits of expansion, pursuits of expansion. We're going to talk about that when we look at the pre-birth experience. Soul contracts are composed of pursuits of expansion, the divine lessons that become divine decrees. So divine lessons, this is what we are identifying when we're in that pre-birth experience. We're using the word divine decrees because as we are dispatched into the incarnation from that higher self over soul, you know, soul vortex, and then we become the avatar living that out. If you think about it like a video, the video game, even though I don't play video games, it is such a great metaphor for us that we created to understand how we're actually functioning here. I, as I'm playing a video game, right, I create a character. Now you can actually design them however you like. You know, they're, they're really advanced. And then I'm the player, but I'm I'm actually sending the signals down to my player in the game. I mean, I'm the one who's the real, you know, I'm the one who's the mind and I'm sending the signals down. So when I, who am actually sending the signals as the manager of it, when that game console can conduct that to my player, like if you had a glitch in the system and the player no longer responded, then you wouldn't really have the intentions of that higher self to be able to come into, you know, to unfold. And the way that shows up in our life is if we feel in resistance or we feel that negating energy, then we're pulling away from that connection that we have with the main, you know, the, 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 the higher self. So if there, there was a free will component that was possible in video games, like an AI kind of thing, then and it could actually go rogue and disconnect from the person who was actually sending the signals from the game console then you wouldn't be able to accomplish much in that game. 
So that's what we, if, if that's making any sense to you, this is, but this model really helps us to understand what's going on. You see, the, the player in the, in the game doesn't really totally know that there is someone high, you know, there's a higher version of themselves that is sending the signal. But we here are, we've awakened and we've recognized that. We not only understand it intellectually, we resonate with it, we feel it. And we feel that resonance. When we feel positivity, when we feel that good feeling, then that flow of information, that flow of energy is, is um, intact. So let's, this idea of decree, a decree means a directive. It means a plan that is being executed, implemented. So from the pre-birth perspective, we have lived however many lives, we're the soul, this pure potential. And we have maybe a history of some growth that we're drawing from. And if you can imagine yourself, whatever might seem like a drawing board for you, some kind of meeting room that's just where you're going to come up with a project. And there are participants. You're the head of the project. You are the executive. But you have this whole committee, this whole council. Maybe it's even countless. And they show up to say, and, and, and you're count, you know, they're counseling you and you say, listen, so I, I really have learned that um, I have all this value in service. And I've, I've, been, I've been able to be, you know, let's say this life I was a servant. And in this life I was a, a priest or a nun. And in this life I was a parent who had a lot of children. And so there was a lot of service. So I really feel like I want to learn another side of service. And I want to really be a leader because I've had all these lives where I was definitely of service and the leadership didn't really show up as prominent in those experiences. So leadership is something that's really important. What do you think, Archangel Gabriel? <laughs> what do you think would help me with leadership? Archangel Gabriel says, well, communication, learning how to use your voice and to, and to really explore what it means to express. But the best way for you to do that is to grow in the communication. If you go in and you just have all of these talents that are just online, you won't really learn anything about it. So let's put, maybe we could put you in a position of some kind where it's more of a challenge to overcome with learning how to be very communicative, to execute your ideas and to uh, be in, 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 um, in, ingenious and expressive, because that will put you as a leader in certain positions. And then you turn to Ariel and Ariel says, well, I think that confidence is going to be really important, self-esteem. So let's make you really, really sensitive. Because if you go in really, really sensitive, then you are going to understand that being having true self-esteem means having self-esteem, having esteem for all of your brothers and sisters collectively. Because false self-esteem is that you are arrogant. You want real esteem. You want real truth because you want to be a real leader. And a real leader is concerned about everyone. So let's give you extra sensitivity so that you can learn how to make that a strength and a tool. So these are some of the things that like your counsel. But then your mom comes in, in the soul of your mother. And she's like, well, last life I was your child. And, um, you know, we had the relationship that we had. So how about I'm going to come in now with a little bit of arrogance and narcissism. And then you're going to learn, you're going to probably be a little codependent with me because you're going to feel overwhelmed by me. 
And then that is going to help me help you to grow that sensitivity and to figure out how to use your voice. And so there you go. That's a contract between these two souls, the person who, you know, is going to be your mother. And then you do all of this stuff. And what's happening here is it's almost like they're just frequencies. There's energies. And if you can visualize or imagine, there's like this vortex of energy. And, then, you know, boom, Gabriel suggested this. But you're the one who says yes or no about it. All of it is up to you. Boom, I'm going to do this. And so you're going to be my mother. Perfect. Okay, great. And mom, by the way, is going to be learning about being um, about listening. You know, it's not just about her, you know, if I'm learning how to use my voice, mom is learning how to listen and how to be patient and all of those things. This is an exchange. It's really it's always a balance and exchange. Boom, we're putting all of these energies like we're making a cake, but it looks like a vortex of energy. And we're adding this this little nutmeg over here from my cousin who, you know, maybe he uh, was weird in high school. And there's, blah, you know, all these different things that we're going to do. And then we have this vortex of energy that has all these potentials for divine decrees, divine lessons that are going to help us to expand. This expansion that we're doing is going to be our contribution to the universe. And so that's why we're doing it. That's the whole purpose of doing it. And so that we can contribute. I'm stopping the share for a second because I'm going on for a while. So this vortex of energy now, we take that. And with all of our counsel, that's not the end of the process of creating these divine decree direct these divine lessons that will become decrees meaning a statement from the higher self to the incarnated self and we still have this pure potential but we have a plan and so we say okay great we have all these things now what time space will best enhance it well what time space may best enhance that is i'm i'm it's going to be best for me to be a a female and maybe it's going to be best for me to be a female in a time when it's more difficult for women you know they're they're more repressed and so we're going to put me in that time period, in this area, in this context, all these other souls are going to come in as the, um, you know, also co with contracted to help me. And then, you know, as I move past my into the adulthood, some of the other contracts include, well, ways that I can actually enhance that leadership. So maybe I'll attract a partner who's going to challenge that even more. Or maybe I'll attract a partner who's going to maybe be a temporary partner because I, I could have gone a little too far with my leadership into testing it out as arrogance. And so I'll actually attract someone who's a little sensitive and I'm just finding this wobbling and balancing. But if I don't if I don't need that because I've worked that out with my mom, then maybe I won't have that need that person to be that catalyst. So we put that, then we dispatch that um, that frequency from that soul vortex and it becomes an incarnation. After that, magnetism happens because all of those intentions that were put in they start to just activate when we're here and then we're just attracted to people and this person is interesting and this and I just found myself working with this person and then I just happened we moved even though my heart was broken at five years old but I got sat right in class next to my best friend my best friend for life for the rest of my life magnetism just happens all of the components start to work together by the universal law of magnetism so that's a snapshot of the pre-birth plan and how the soul contracts are set up and so the question is how does all of this information about soul contracts and the plan and the blueprint and all that kind of stuff how does it align with free will well recognize that we our free will is multi-dimensional so we do have the free will from the higher self perspective 
and that is you. But we sort of put it, we put that veil between the higher self and the incarnated consciousness, that dimension of who you are. And the reason for that is so that the in the forgetting or in the obscurity, then you have the opportunity to grow and learn. And so that's the purpose of it. The, but to, again, to recognize that your free will is multidimensional and that, in fact, you can the reason that you you also have to take the limits off of it. If you think about your soul from your soul's perspective, it's infinite, the opportunities. So my plan is to be more of a leader this time. But the next life I may want to, you know, be something else entirely. So it's just it's like a it's like a focus. You're in third grade. I'm in third grade. I have to be in third grade. I have no choice. But it's like, well, I want to be in 12th grade, but you're going to because you're going through it because that's just creation is it happens in patterns. It just does. We are pattern seekers. We are patterned individuals. The reason for that is because the chaos is what God was or is before there is any creation. That's what science does. In order for science to explore um a theorem, it has to go into the chaos, but it has to come up with something to explore. It has to come up with a plan. And then the plan turns out different usually. Sometimes it's that you go in with a, a plan, but it's beyond, from this perspective, from this 3D perspective, it's beyond my imagination. Not to mention the fact that when we really get down to the decrees or we get up, decree is like when it's become the, actually the call into the to the soul because it's a statement it's like the um it's the calling you know but if we they're so they're so really open-ended to be a leader i mean that's pretty that's pretty open-ended right and or order but also you know that you're getting closer to the god principle when you find paradox because as we said in order to really understand how to be a leader you actually probably need to come in with some subversion you need to come in a little bit under developed in that regard so you kind of experience both so it's almost like it's infinite you just kind of are putting some plan around it but you got to experience both sides of it in order for it to be fully um explored and to fully be learned does that make some sense i mean there's a veil that's set for me by me again remembering that we are multi-dimensional divine lessons are what are created and the divine decree is the is the call from the oversoul, higher self perspective to the incarnated me or the 3D, 4D me. That's what we have, we're working with here. How to identify a soul contract. In this, and again, we're kind of just thinking about the human relationships, but you know, you can throw in there animals or anything else. And actually, if you pay, if you kind of like really digest this, you'll realize you can just look at you and you or your relationship with career or your relationship with partnerships you know what I mean like you can just realize as we say it what it comes down to is just your relationship with the lesson itself but in the terms of the players in the game who are being the sole contractees you'll identify the heightened themes so when we're looking at okay obviously I have a sole contract with my mother I mean it's just that's a given in even people that are adopted, then you have a soul contract with your biological mother, even if you've never met her, and the person who raised you. And that's because there's soul energy that is involved in the, you know, all of the genetics and the hereditary stuff, you know what I mean? Like that's all, those are different kinds of contracts that you might hold. And and not to mention that for whatever reason that 
you weren't able to be raised by or live and have a relationship with that biological mother. That's something that is a contract for you to resolve. So anyway, the heightened themes. Let's say I have, I'm looking at the obvious relation, the obvious contract I have with my husband. What are the heightened themes? What are the things about this relationship that are heightened? They could be pain points, points of frustration, or they could be very, very positive, very joyful, or a mix of both. And, you know, the ones that are something like partnerships are usually a mix of both. You know, your, your relationship with your spouse, there may be wonderful moments of joy, as in having children. And then there could be divorce, which is frustration and pain. But that contract is, you know, those are some of the significance themes that you can look at. Now, divorce isn't a theme in and of itself. What did you experience with divorce? with that partner or and again it can be something like i'm going to give my own marriage here in a moment as an example show you some some of the themes that i've identified at this point and some of the things that i'm i moved through some things to get where we are now but they were also those those old themes that we started with were really resolving contracts that were catalyzed by other people first so that's what we want to do in order to identify what is going on in a contract what some of the lessons are being presented the heightened themes look at you know it, i would probably just look at two one to three of them just to get started and if you as we go into the journey later later you're welcome to just see what shows up in the journey or if there's one that you're kind of identifying right now maybe just have a again hold loosely to it because you want to just see what will actually happen and rather than trying to manage it how to learn from a soul contract in order to, under, so we, we've identified some of the themes, but we have to be in a neutral, the seer perspective in order to interpret it. So interpretation is a different word than analysis. Analysis means to take facts like a scientist and rearrange them. Interpretation means to take subconscious energy and be involved in the creator process and let it reveal itself as something let it reveal itself as the song or the story or the poem. Thus is life. We are a subcon the subconscious of God, this potential energy, and it is being interpreted. It is being expressed as a poem. My life is a poem. Your life is a poem. It is a poem. It is a song of God, or it's a melody line or a harmony line in the one song, which is the universe. So we need to be in the perspective shoulder to shoulder neutrally expecting that whatever that is even if it's uncomfortable from this 3d perspective that you know i was abused as a child my mother married someone who abused me she married two people who were abusive she married a person who abused me if i identify to the victimhood i'm not going to learn as much i need to see it neutrally so you actually pop out you pop into the higher from the soul perspective like you're sitting at that table with Archangel Gabriel and your mom's soul and everything and say, what are these lessons to learn and how can we best do it? So you, you want to be in that neutral space. You want to switch to recognizing that your contract is actually with the lesson itself rather than the other soul. If we are overly focused on the human person and how they're, they're, what they're offering as catalyst and how that kind of pisses me off and how it's unfair, again, we're not going to learn anything. Really just switch to if we can get to the place where it's really all about me and it's all about what I'm learning and to 
and and again we hit paradox because that can be challenging and and it doesn't mean that when we do some of this like the person who abused me my mother's husband he, that person is not in my life in this 3D perspective that's actually a part of the lesson uh, for me some of the decree that I'm answering but from my soul perspective I'm in forgiveness I'm in peace about that because I I under and I'm actually in gratitude where you can actually be grateful because someone came into your your life. I mean, it's it's even hard to not just that this person abused me, that this person abused a child. To be able to be okay with that and even grateful for it because you can see it from the soul perspective. And it doesn't, again, you know, we have to really take the boundaries off, the limits off of it. And it doesn't negate the fact that there is right and wrong, black and white, polarity in the 3D. Um, that person could have offered me catalyst in other ways. And... I, I don't think that that person had to abuse me that much. But anyway, you know what I mean? Like there still is some free will even in the choices that can help us to be catalysts for one another. And finally, on this list here, we have the person is just a conduit for the catalyst, just a player, helping us to be neutral, helping us to take our focus off of the minutia or the conditions so we can be in the unconditioned. So here is a, an example of a soul contract my, from my own life, my marriage, and what I am learning. I see that the major things that I'm learning now, where we are in our soul contract, and maybe the overarching one is I'm learning about partnership, acceptance and support, trust, loyalty, and longevity. Those are the places that I am. Now, when we, we've been together 16 and a half years. When we first got together, I, we were 30. We're the same age. And... The first few years, Brian was just telling me this morning, he's like, when I think back to what you were like those first few years, or what, who, he goes, you were so disempowered. And like, he, and this is, I'm quoting him. So I'm not saying this about it. He goes, but now look at you. You're like a guru. <laughs> and I was like, stop it. But, uh, and by the way, guru only means a remover of obstacles. So I think any teacher should be helped, you know, holding the space to remove obstacles. But anyway, he was just like looking at, and he didn't know I was doing this whole contract today because that's just how spirit works. And just that he, he, I was coming into our relationship still very disempowered. You know, I had abuse, 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 and then somehow being able to become empowered enough to leave abusive situations. And only two years later is when I met him. So I was still wrapping up some of that disempowered energy. And then I got bosses that kind of asked me to and careers that reinforced some of that so that I could continue to wrap it. He actually didn't offer that. He's so like gentle. So he hid the way that he was helping me with how he was catalyzing me and in, in, in empowerment was to accept me. See, acceptance is one of our our lessons. And for me to be OK with acceptance, that's a weird part of becoming more empowered. I had to accept myself in order to be empowered. So he was offering me and is offering me acceptance in order for me to wrap up some of that disempowerment to move into my empowerment. Does that make sense? I'm going to pause now. Any questions or comments? Again, just unmute yourself because I can't see you right now. Okay, great. <clears throat> um, and by the way, so like longevity, trust, and loyalty, those are all antithetical to my beginning, which was abandonment, abandonment, abandonment. And so he is offering me deep loyalty, deep trust, and we are offering one another longevity as a way to help me wrap up some of that other stuff that I 
had started with. All right. Now, now we're getting into it. Soul contracts include, number one, the offer. Number two, consideration. Three, acceptance. Four, mutuality of obligation. Five, implementation. Six, contingency clauses. Seven, reinforcement, mastery, and mentoring. Don't worry about scribbling it all down real fast. You're going to get these slides, possibly a PDF, and we're going to break all of this down right now. This is just the overview. So let's go on to the offer. This is at that point where we're in that conference room, that that spiritual conference room, and we're just, I'm, I'm as the soul who's creating the, the vortex of energy that's going to dispatch an incarnation, what are the divine lessons? And what complementary components or other souls that I'll make a contract with? So this is, this, the offer is a promise to act or refrain from acting, which is made in exchange for a return promise to do the same. So in the example I gave at the beginning, the soul it wants to learn leadership and the person who is the mother is going to offer uh, the action of repressing the child. Or in the case of my actual life, I'm, I'm learning about longevity loyalty and trust. And so my parents and family and some of those early relationships will abandon me. They will withhold longevity and trust, the refraining from action of, of, you know, staying present in a relationship with me. So the basis of each soul's offering is the pursuit of divine lesson, meaning each component is just, you know, there's gonna be some repetition. So I, I was learning about loyalty and the person who's going to give me abandonment so I could learn about loyalty and longevity is also learning about some other version of loyalty, learning how to trust, learning how to be attentive, uh, learning forgiveness, who knows, you know what I mean? Like there are other complementary lessons that are involved there. Two, so the first one again, that was the offer. Um, two, and these aren't necessarily in order they kind of are, but they're not necessarily in order. It's just all of the components, more like foundational. Consideration. So this is each party of the contract must provide something of value that induces the other to enter the agreement. So I'm giving value, you're giving value. And then when this is set up, this is this is the time, again, if we're seeing ourselves in that pre-birth conference room, this is tuning the magnetism. It's enhanced. So... I start with my mother on this, and that's going to be, you know, your mother, you're, you're really magnetized to your mother. Obviously, you need to as a child. And then you you have this need to figure out that relationship. And then maybe, you know, you get it done as much as you can. And so at age 20 or so, you kind of like, well, fine. But then if you aren't really done with that lesson, you're going to magnetize some other contract, something that was a contingency contract, which we're going to talk about in a minute. That was set up if you, however much of that work you had gotten done, however much of the lesson you'd learned with your mom, you're going to still have the magnetism to other parties who are going to help to provide more catalysts. So it could be your first job and the boss and the boss is going to give you some or it could be your first boyfriend or girlfriend or something like that at age that, that happens at age 20. It could be a professor if you're going to college at age 20 who's going to continue along the same themes it's easier to look back 
especially, you know, just when you're mature. It's I think it's harder as a 21 year old, let's say, to see it because you don't have a lot of experience. But even if you're like 28, you could probably start to see those patterns a little bit easier. You get a little more because you might think, oh, my gosh, but my boss is so different from my mom. You get a little more perspective. and You're like, nah, they were both narcissists. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> nah, I had the same complaints about both of them. Just, you know, in different different uh, scenery. <laughs> So um, the, just remember that magnetism is what the law of magnetism makes that all continue to um, just happen. So th that's that law of magnetism is enhancing that calling, the decree that is sent from the um, higher self or the oversoul. Acceptance. So acceptance of the offer, the expression that you have agreed to the terms. And so this is this is the part where, you know, if we're, we want to be uncomfortable with the paradox or worry you know not worry but like observe where spiritual bypassing or not see that's that's a part of the paradox too is like can i accept this concept and also make sure that i'm not bypassing well that's a that place of you have to pop out of it and be the observer but you know that you've accepted the contract because you're in a relationship with the person you have a tough relationship or you have a wonderful relationship. So there, there is a resonance there. There is a powerful resonance. But that's a part of the contract as well is the actual acceptance of it. Uh, mutuality of obligation. So this is kind of a restating of it. The parties agree to their obligation. And what that could look like if the mutuality was, was to start to subside would be if a contract becomes one-sided. So you're the only one who is doing anything that you know or having any care of the contract being moved forward now and it so it'll just naturally void itself now unless somehow that one-sidedness is a part of the theme of the relationship you know it is the theme is that i do all the work and this person doesn't do anything or whatever that could be actually the theme but anyway but um if there's not if the mutuality of the obligation if there's not if the exchange is, isn't happening, then it would just actually naturally void. And this also kind of looks like when what it would look like if it was fulfilled. So I was just thinking today of a best friend that I had for about three years, um, two or three years, around 29, 30 years old. And we were like thick as thieves. We were and now we're like Facebook friends. And she sends me a Christmas card. But there was nothing that went wrong at all. It just it kind of. You know what I mean? Like that was the completion. And it was a really intense, really great and intense relationship. And um, we worked some things out together, but we mostly it was mostly just positive. But we pretty much the contract has completed with us. At least it seems like it. There could be a contingency later, but I don't think so. Anyway, so you'll continue to answer the decree in a contingency contract, which I'm about to come uh, talk about. So let's say the mutuality of obligation if it became one-sided one way or the other, whether you weren't offering your part of the obligation or they weren't offering their part of the obligation, it will cease. And then whatever is incomplete in the lesson for you, you'll just magnetize yourself to someone else to help you to continue. Remembering that the contract is really with yourself or the lesson. Five, implementation. So implementation occurs as the soul dispatches into incarnation. So once again, we can assume since we're here, since we have these relationships, since we have these resonances of these decrees and lessons that we implemented it because we're here being incarnated. The universal laws, 
will implement the process of magnetism so that the contracts unfold in the journey. So like you have implemented it, the contract because you're here. And then the universal laws are also implementing it with the law of magnetism. Okay, five, in contingency clauses and contingency contracts. So these are activated when a decree is being resisted or to reinforce deeper levels of the lesson. So it's one or two things. It, if you are resisting it, let's say you, you leave a relationship without advancing the contract, you're learning in it, then you'll just pick it up somewhere else. But it could also be that you did kind of fulfill that contract to the degree for both of you or or even just for you and that catalyst that that particular contract could offer you was satisfied but you need to reinforce it and so what that looks like is if you are resistant and you reject a, a lesson in a particular contract then it will repeat at a higher intensity i dated this one guy he was an asshole I broke up with him. I was so sick of him. He such he did this to me, and how dare he? And you know, I didn't really learn anything. Next guy, this is an even bigger asshole. He's even worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? That kind of pattern. So that would be when we're in resistance to it. Um, alternatively, the repetition when it is because it's a reinforcement of the lesson that you have learned in in a particular contract or relationship then it's because you're learning deeper levels of it. And that will look like a decrease of the intensity. So this guy, you know, he didn't treat me right, but I told him, hey, I am woman, hear me roar. And so I left that relationship. The next guy, he was better, but I still needed to like, just tell him, hey, I got some things to say in this relationship. And he accepted them. And now we're still together. You know what I mean? Like that, it, it will decrease in intensity rather than increase in intensity. So that's what we talk about contingency clauses in within a particular relationship or contract. Or if you abandon it or complete it, then you'll get contingency contracts, more contracts that were kind of in the wings. They're in the they're in the dugout in case you need them. The potential ones you, you made these potential contracts too in your pre-birth if you need them. But if you didn't need them, then that magnetism wouldn't happen. Some things that can come into play just when we're looking at this stuff when it con concerns individuals is soul maturity in general and in specific areas. The reason I bring this up is if you look at a relationship where it's there's supposed to be a in this 3D perspective, a power dynamic, your parent is, you know, supposed to be authority over you as when you're, you know, under the age, under age, they could not be they could be a younger soul than you. They could have not really not as learned as many lessons. So that could be a part of <laughs> actual uh, the theme is for you to be okay with the fact that the power dynamic on 3D doesn't actually match the the development from the soul perspective. Now it could be in general or it could be in just one area. So let's say again, if we're just taking the I, you know, your mother, you know, she's pretty she's a decently old enough soul. But then when it comes to this one area, let's say it comes to the area of relationship, she's all over the place. You know, she's messing it up with your dad and then she, then your dad met and then she divorced him for no reason. And then she's dating all these weirdos. But she's really great in all these other areas, a fantastic mom. And, you know, given except for that. So she's got some immaturity in that area. And you may be 14 years old and you're like, wow, like. I would never mess up relationships that much. You know, you can kind of feel that. So just know that that's some of the stuff that may be in play and it could be a part of the theme and it could be something for you to have patience with. And you are actually then being the mentor about that contract for the other person. The example of having completed that and that completion may be something that's 
soul history rather than this life. Um, and obviously that can happen with, well, you know, like in professional relationships, the boss is technically supposed to be authority or superior to you, but, you know, they act like a little bit of a baby in these areas. And so know that that could be something that can be a part of it when you're looking at this. And this is not about being arrogant at all. It's actually being humble. When you realize it can keep you from, it can take you out of that resistance to, um, it's not fair that my mom acts this way. You can be like, oh, oh, she's learning something. And I just kind of happen to have completed that. Okay. It actually makes you feel humbler. It helps you to pop out of the judgment. So again, it's not about spiritual bypassing or being arrogant. It's actually about being more humble and more patient and more peaceful. Um, you can consciously void a contract. This is something that pe comes up a lot. People are like, can you void a contract? Yes, you can. Now, if the contract is completed with it, so far as it concerns the relationship between a person, then that's it. You know what I mean? Like you can just release that person. Maybe if it's one of those ones where the mutuality wasn't met and you can just end that relationship. But you are, again, the the thing that you have going on really is with yourself. So in the example I gave of the people who decided to put down their dog, even though he was saying, no, I'm not ready, I would like to just kind of peter out a little bit more. So he the, he agreed, again, just by the logic, and now in this moment we're going to use logic, if the higher self is, the higher self has to sign off on termination of incarnation, then he agreed to that. He agreed to consciously void the contract. And so they're going to pick up the contract in some other way, the humans. Maybe the dog was okay. Maybe he didn't need to learn anything else. Maybe his part of the contract was, okay, I don't need any more life. Or maybe he consciously voided it and says, I'll finish this when I incarnate again. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like really, again, realizing that we're talking about the incarnation uh, re relationship is one thing. But the contract really is the divine decree or the lesson that is underneath it. Um, now, someone may think, well, can I can I decide to the free will um, idea so far as consciously voiding a contract? If we are talking about a lesson, can I decide I no longer want to learn about value? Mm, I don't know. It's kind of hard to change that. I think that you would probably complete the lesson so you can move on to another one. Because if you want to learn about something else, you probably need to, it's almost like you can't skip steps because you put the, you put the momentum in motion. And I mean, maybe you could, and you could put it on pause and focus on something else for a while. You're going to pick it up though in another life. Accepting that you have answered and completed the decree. You'll know when you are at peace. That's how you'll know that you've completed the decree or learned the lesson. And then another part of that could be that you need to ignore the conditioned expectations. So let's say the thing that's coming to mind right now is you are a person who has an, a, a, a non-traditional job. Hello, like a lot of us here. And you're okay with that. You, you know, in order for you to really, really be okay with that, you need to ignore the fact that your best friend thinks that you should just like get a nine to five or that the world at large has different ideas for that. Or maybe you're a person who is really happy in their relationship, but it doesn't necessarily look like everyone else's relationship. I'm ha I'm okay with the fact, you know, I haven't, I don't have children and I'm not going to have children. I may adopt, but it doesn't seem like it right now. 
I'm okay with that, but I have friends who who have children who are like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I, you don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, but I have to like not take on their pain. They're, um, they're projecting onto me what it would be like to not have their children. That's totally different. But you see, in order for me to really accept the fact that I'm at peace and that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person because I don't have children, you know, Th- those are all the things that are kind of out there in the ether about what what life is supposed to look like if you're the way that you have moved through certain contracts the piece that you feel about it that last stage is to own that piece does that make sense i think that's the end of it oh no so a couple of reminders remember ultimately your contract is with the divine lesson itself or your higher self or yourself or the decree that is being called to you your contract is with your soul and your drive to pursue that contract is to answer the divine decrees. They are just, it's what is powering you. It is the juice that's powering you. That's probably why, you know, thinking you would switch lessons is it's just probably unlikely. You just might like favor another one of your other lessons and then pick it up again. And focusing on an individual slows the process of learning, focusing on a person so much get down into the good stuff, get down into the energies. And remember, it's about you and what you're learning. Remember, always review it neutrally or from a place of peace. If you can get to joy, that's great. But neutrally, we want to pop out of our 3D feels about it, about our body feels. And then we want to be in that seer or observer position. Like it's a play, like it's something that we're composing. And with the expectation that we actually are learning something. There's value here. There's a reason that we are pursuing this uh, particular decree. Uh, Resistance to the responsibility creates stasis. So um, it's not my fault. I, and it's, while that is true, again, we're working with multidimensional concepts here. It isn't my fault that my mother married a person who abused me. Of course, that was not my 11-year-old's fault. That's not the point it's about how what I dispatched from that perspective, which was about empowerment, which was about being able to realize I can I can have a history and I can have a present that that don't that aren't dependent. I can have a history that had pain and a present that is peaceful. That's how powerful I am. It's a great lesson of empowerment. So if I can neutralize some of the subjects then you know what? I still may go to the therapy, <laughs> you know, and that's okay too. I may go to therapy and say, "How dare he?" Um, but anyway, that's um, resistance to responsibility from the soul perspective. It just it just keeps us in the same place. When we are able to bring peace and joy into our our uh, frequent, you know, as a as a vibration, then that's basically our compass that will help us to connect to the the way that the the higher self is sending the decree, sending the directives, and it activates the magnetism of that alignment with higher self. It also activates the magnetism with the ones who are being the catalyst. And by the way, remember, catalyst isn't only or always negative. Catalyst can be wonderful. It can be pure positive, still helping you. Like my husband, when I, when I met him, he he has, you know, I was at a place where I could actually attract someone who did, who doesn't oppress people. <laughs> and he held that space for me. Like he was confused why I didn't have 
empowerment and yet was still attracted to me. It was the right kind of area where we found each other and then he held that frequency for me and then I got to grow from it as well. He was a mentor to me in that particular contract that I was completing. And so the magnetism to the aligning of the relationships and circumstances and things that are helping you to learn and grow, we don't always have to see them as negative. So remember that we can grow with joy and peace. And that's actually how we learn the most from our contracts is to be able to be from that place of joy and peace, finding it. And you may have to sit through the feelings of, I mean, that the way, what the lessons are about soul contracts is the way out is through. And so if you are in the part of the relationship, like I was explaining with that boss, how dare he, he doesn't respect me. I have to sit, well, what does disrespect feel like? Is that true? Where is this? Is this about me? Do I disrespect myself? You have to f- let that let all of that um, move because emotions are energy in motion. It has to move in order for it to change. So this is not about bypassing. This is about passing through. This is about going into it. And that's what we can do with all of this idea. Now, I'll tell you this also. All of the things you can really think about, use the word contract on purpose. We signed it. We agreed to it. It may have a termination point. We can extend it. We can add clauses to it. But it really all fundamentally, again, comes down to what, how it is supporting your learning and your growth and your expansion. And this expansion is your gift, your contribution to the universe. Well, I hope you enjoyed that content as much as I did. I want to remind you to check out my Mystic Arts Academy. We have twice monthly workshops on subjects like this going really, really deep where we interact directly together on Zoom. I also lead group meditations there. I do sacred circles, reading, healing, and channeling together. Oh, it's amazing. You could do a drop-in on a workshop, but I highly recommend subscribing. It's pretty low cost and uh, becoming a part of the community because we have such crazy quantum synchronicities happening in that community. It's so beautiful. And you can you also get access to the whole catalog, the whole back catalog of all of the classes. And there is a lot. Well, guys, I really appreciate you for joining me here. Please subscribe. You know, there's different things going on with how they're presenting podcasts now. So check out your podcast app, however you get them, because they're turning them into channels now. And so just keep your eye out on that. And I'd like to invite you, if you like this, to share it with others and to maybe give me a review because that really helps to boost me in the algorithm, which is really just like the light quotient of us connecting to one another. That's how I see it. Okay, with that, guys, I will be getting another episode out to you real soon. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. (laughs) 